I want to take a few moments and I want to preach from the book of Acts chapter number three, beginning with verse number one. Acts chapter number three, beginning with verse number one. And I want you to listen to the words of St. Luke here in the book of Acts chapter three, and we'll read verses three through 10. Acts chapter three, beginning with verse number one. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask of alms for those who entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. And so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood, walked, and entered into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Just for a few moments this morning, I want to preach on the thought, the same no more. Would you say that with me? The same no more. The same no more. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity that we have to listen to your word this morning. And so, Lord, we open our heart up that you would speak to us clearly and distinctly today. And, Lord, if there's something that you want to say to us, I pray that our hearts would be receptive to receive it. Lord, I pray that for every person who attends Christ Point, Lord, I pray that even during this difficult time that you bring our hearts together, even in a stronger way. And Father, I pray that for those who are suffering, for those who are sick, those who are experiencing financial hardship, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just go forth and minister to every heart and bring comfort to them in Jesus' name. And everyone said a great big amen. The same, no more. You know, Christ's point, sometimes we live with the mistaken impression that things will always be the same. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes we live with the mistaken impression that things will always be the same. We will be in the same place, doing the same things, meeting the same challenges, contending with the same issues, wrestling with the same problems, worrying about the same worries, and stressing over the same stresses. You see, my friends, sometimes we live with the mistaken impression that things will always be the same. Now, we want things to change, but we will not do, sometimes we will not do anything to change. You see, there's an old proverb that used to say it like this, nothing changes until something changes. Say that with me. Nothing changes until something changes. You see, 
some people don't want to change because sameness brings a sense of security, don't it? Things being the same brings us a sense of security. And do you know why, my friends? Because we know exactly what to expect. If things don't change, we know exactly what to expect. We know exactly what to experience if things don't change. If things remain the same, then we are not uncomfortable. If we are in the sameness, if we're familiar with sameness, then it brings security. We know exactly what to expect. Because same not only provides us with security, not only does it provide us with comfort, but it also provides us with a sense of, of, of not only security, but a sense of joy. Because we know exactly how to handle our former problems, don't we? We've handled them before, and we know how to handle them now. So, so we have a sense of being comfortable with our problems. Because same not only provides us with a sense of security, but things being the same also provides us with a sense of comfort. Do you know why? Because things don't get better and things don't get worse when things are the same. Because when things are the same, things are neither getting better or things are neither getting worse. You know exactly what to expect. There is no discomfort about rightness or wrongness or oughtness or shouldness because everything is the same. You see, my friends, same, S-A-M-E, same, has a track record with some of us. It has been the same for a long time. Same, S-A-M-E, has been a familiar part of our family. He has become a familiar member of our family. Same, Mr. Same works with us on the same job. Same employs the same check every week. Same lives with us in the same house. Same sleeps in the guest room. Same eats at our table. It spends our money. And like an unwelcome guest, same refuses to leave home. Same has a track record with most of us. You see, my friends, some of us live with the mistaken impression that things will always be the same. We live with the mistaken impression that things will always be the same. Listen, sometimes if anything that is not the same, comes along, sometimes it throws us off course. If something comes in our life that's not the same, that's not the usual, that's not the predicted, sometimes it throws us off course. We break out in a sweat. We become confused. We become uncomfortable because we don't like change. We get aggravated because things are not in its place. You know, I'm an OCD type of person. I like everything in its place. I, know, I like to know what to expect. I like to be prepared. So sometimes change is very difficult for me because that's just part of my personality. Because, you see, when things don't change, you know exactly what to expect. You know exactly how to predict 
things. You know exactly how to take care of things. And sometimes when things begin to get ruffled a little bit and things get off course, we break out in a cold sweat. We become aggravated because things are not the way it used to be. In fact, some people will even get mad when things are not the same. My friends, some of us live with the mistaken impression that things will always be the same. Sometimes we have become so addicted to same, some of us have joined a group called the same committee. We have joined a group and we have ran around our circle and we have said, hi, my name is so-and-so and I belong to the same group. We don't like to break out of the box. We live under the impression that things will always be the same. But my friends, if you live with the mistaken impression that things will always be the same, then guess what happens? Your mind will become stagnant. The, your energy will become depleted. There will be no new ideas in and no new ideas will come out. There will be no creative thoughts coming in and no creative thoughts coming out. You become resistant to change. Thinking outside of the box never crosses your mind because you have lived in a box called the same. Because sometimes we live with the mistaken impression that things will always be the same. Why? We love things being the same. Because sameness gives us a sense of security. It gives us a sense of comfort. We know exactly what to predict. We know exactly what to expect. We like things to be the same. Because when things are the same, there is no rightness or wrongness about it. There is no oughtness or shouldness about it. Because things are the same. I said all of that to say this, that as we come to this narrative this morning in Acts chapter 3, there is a man, the Bible says, who is sick. This man, the Bible says, was laid at the gate called Beautiful. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he is very sick. The Bible says in verse number 2, Acts chapter 3, verse 2, And a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. You see, this man had been the same, in the same condition, since he was a baby. Since his mother's womb, he had been sick. And the Bible says they had been taking him to the gate called Beautiful every day. Now, can you imagine this man being laid at a gate called Beautiful every day? Every day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, minute upon minute, hour upon hour, day by day, this man was laid at the gate called Beautiful and thousands of people were going in and out of the temple. Now, the scripture informs us that he was laid at a gate called Beautiful. Let me just give you a history lesson. This gate called Beautiful was the gates to the temple. And thousands of people were going to the temple daily to pray, 
to make their sacrifices, to make their offerings, and to pray. And so this man was laid in a prime place every day. Thousands of people saw this man laying at the gate called Beautiful. Now, why in the world is, why would this, this gate be called Beautiful? Well, this, the reason that the gate was called Beautiful, the gate to the temple, the reason it was called Beautiful is because when the sun would cast its shadow or its light upon the, the gate, it would cause a beautiful Corinthian bronze to shine forth. So when people were going to the temple as the sun was shining and as the sun was beating down on the gate, the gate looked beautiful because of the Corinthian bronze, the Corinthian bronze look that it was glowing and casting off to people. So when people were going to the temple, the very first thing that they saw was the gates to the temple. And the very first thing that they said was that it was beautiful. And so this man who was sick was being laid at a gate called beautiful. It's ironic to me. Here is a sick man being laid at a gate called beautiful, a sick person at beautiful things. Have you ever felt like you have been sick? Have you ever felt like that you have been infected and yet all around you, it seems like everything else is beautiful. Everybody else is having a great time. Everybody else has seemed like they're getting blessed. Everybody else seems like they're walking in the provision of the Lord. And yet you seem like you're lame in some sort, uh, a part of your life. Here is this man who is sick, being, a, being so sick that they laid him day after day at the gate called beautiful. You see, I want to deal with two things today. I want to deal with the man's illness and I want to deal with the man's cure. I want to deal with the man's illness and I want to deal with the man's cure. I've said a few moments ago that this man had been lame since his birth. Now I want you to think about this just for a moment. I want you to think about the man's illness. This man had been sick from his birth. In other words, this man had a condition that was consistent and constant throughout his life. This man had a condition that had caused him to be helpless. This man was helpless and hopeless. As a matter of fact, he had to depend upon someone to take him to the gate every day and lay him at the gate. Listen, my friends, not only is this man sick, but this man had to depend upon other people to help him. It's one thing to be sick, and it's another thing to constantly depend upon someone to help you. Here is this man not only sick, not only had he been sick from his mother's womb, not only had he been sick from birth, but this man had been, uh, this man had to rely upon someone to help him, to take him to the gate called beautiful. Now, why did he go to the gate called beautiful? Because this man understood that if he was going to get help, if he was going to get some sort of financial assistance, then he needed to go to a populated place. And so the most populated place that he could choose from is the gate called beautiful because thousands of people were going in and thousands of people were going out every day praying. And so that was a prime opportunity for people to see him and to have pity upon him and to maybe they can give him some alms so that he could help to be helped that day. Can you imagine? 
imagine what this man is going through? This man is not only sick, but this man is in a financial situation that he cannot help himself. I mean, the man is so sick that the man cannot function. The man cannot walk. The man is lame. And so if the man is lame, the man cannot walk. The man cannot work. So the man is in a financial hardship. Not only is the man in a financial hardship, but the man is sick and the man is helpless. He has to rely upon someone to help him every day. Now, I don't know about you, my friends. This is a sad situation. Can you see this man every day sitting at the gate? Every day he's sitting there begging for someone to help him. Every morning it was the same thing. Every evening it was the same thing. You see, my friends, this sick man lived with the impression that things would always be the same. Every day, he went through the same gate. Every day, the same people saw him. Every day, he rattled his cup. Every day, he sat in the same spot. Whether it was raining, snowing, whatever it may be, whether it was sunshine, whether it was dark, he was at the same place. Because he lived with the mistaken impression that things would always be the same. I want you to imagine with me in your mind's eye his friends took him to the same gate. Every day, it was the same. He begged for alms as the worshipers passed by. Every night, it was the same. He waited for someone to remember him, that he was at the gate so that they could carry him home. He lived with the mistaken impression that things would always be the same. And listen, my friends, when you live with the mistaken impression that things will always be the same, you will end up in a rut. When you live with the mistaken impression that things will always be the same, you live in a rut. I know some of you are thinking, when are things going to change? When are things going to go back to normal? When can we go back to normal life? Can we go back to what it used to be? Can we go back to sameness? Why are we so comfortable with same? Because same requires, same provides us with security. Same provides us with a sense of being comfortable. You see, during the last seven weeks, our whole life, has been turned upside down. We don't like it, do we? Because things are not the same. But we cannot ever live with the mistaken impression that things will always be the same. There are some of you this morning, you live with the mistaken impression, like the lame man, that things will always be the same. I'm sure this lame man thought, To himself, things will never change. I have been sick 
since I was a child. Since I was, since I've been born, I've been sick. Maybe this lame man thought things will never change. And have you ever thought that way before? Things will never change. I've prayed about it. I've tried to change it. It's still the same. Well, maybe you can sympathize with this man this morning. Can you just imagine this man at the gate beautiful? Every day, people are going into the temple and they're getting blessed. Can, can you just see it? He's sitting at the gate. He is very close to the temple. The temple is a place of prayer. The temple is a place of celebration. The temple is a place of forgiveness. The temple is a place where God answers prayers. And every day, this man who is sick, this man who is experiencing financial hardship, this man who has to rely upon someone to help him, every day he's sitting at the gate called beautiful and he's so close to the temple. Have you ever been so close but yet been so far away? He is so close to the presence of God. He is so close to the temple. And yet, he lived with the mistaken impression that things will always be the same. Because when you're in the same mindset, you get in a rut and you begin to think it will never change. Every day people are going to pray. Every day people are going to worship. And he is in the same place. Every day prayers are being answered at the temple. And yet he is still praying the same prayer. Every day he is sitting there begging for alms. But every day people are going to the temple to worship. Asking God to answer their request. Every day thousands of people are going to pray. Thousands of people are getting blessed. Thousands of people are being renewed by the Spirit. And every day this man is in the same spot. He is so close, but yet so far away. Sometimes we can be so close and yet so far away. We can be so close to the cross and so far from the blood. He was so close and yet so far away. Because when you are in an attitude that things will never change, that's exactly how you feel. I'm so close, but I will never get there. Everyone else is getting blessed. Everyone else is worshiping. I mean, have you ever been in a church service where you look around and everyone's being blessed? Everybody is receiving their blessing, and yet you are sitting in the same spot that you have sat for years, and nothing has changed for you. Maybe you can sympathize with this man. You are so close enough that you see people into the presence of God. You are close enough that you can see them getting blessed. You are so close enough that you see people receiving the blessing, but yet you are so far away because you are in the same place. And sometimes maybe, maybe, maybe change 
never crossed your mind. Because when we are stuck in the prison of change, or when we are stuck in the prison of same, change sometimes never crosses our mind because we end up living with things that should be rebuked and we give up. The Bible says that Satan is the old serpent who wears out the saints. It's exactly what the devil does. He wears us down. The devil knows you're not going to do some things, but the devil knows he can wear you down to the point that you begin to accept things as normal and you begin to accept things as acceptable when in reality and scripturally they ought to be rebuked and you should never live with it. Somebody should throw your head back and say amen to that because it's exactly what happens. When you are in the prison of same, you abandon the thoughts of change. This man had been in the same condition year after year. But something happened. One day, when he was giving, when he was sitting at the same gate with the same cup, begging for alms, saying the same things, wearing the same clothes, seeing the same people walk by. One day, everything changed. Listen, my friends, sometimes we live with the mistaken impression that things will always be the same. And I've come all the way from my little house on Annie Baxter to tell you, you need to change your expectation because it can change in a matter of a day, in a matter of a moment, in a matter of a minute. Everything can change. And one day, the Bible says, Peter and John, a dynamic duel, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the power of God, was on their way to pray just like everybody else was going to pray. But that day was different. That day was marked in history for that sick man. That day was marked on the calendar as a day of change, as a day of breakthrough, a break in, a breakthrough, a break loose. That day was a day of climax. That day was a day of elevation. That day was a day of miracle because sometimes as you live in the prison of sameness, as you live in the prison of sameness, God's sovereignty will deliver you. God's sovereignty will deliver you. You see, sometimes we don't even have the prayer to pray to be changed. Sometimes we don't even have the strength to pray to be changed. Sometimes we're so afflicted by hardship and so afflicted by what we're going through, we have lost heart. But never underestimate God's sovereignty. God delivers us because he loves us. Peter and John was on their way to pray. The Bible says the same man began to cry for alms. And I love this. I know this is an empty building, but I might just... Go ahead and shout anyway, all right? Amen. I went down to Walmart and bought me a few amens today, so you don't need to say amen, all right? The Bible says that as Peter and John was on their way to pray, the Bible says, who seen, listen to this, the Bible says in verse 2, and a certain lame man 
from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate called Beautiful, to ask of alms who to ask of alms of those who entered into the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask of alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. And so he gave them his full attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do give, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Listen. The Bible says, Peter said, we do not have. The man was expecting the same alms. The man was expecting the same response. But the man called Peter said, I don't have what you want, but I'm going to, have, I'm going to give you what you need. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see, my friends, the point of the story is this. Sometimes God bypasses what you want to give you what you need. He wanted alms, but he needed the power. Of God. He wanted money, but he needed to walk again. And Peter said, In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see, my friends, once tends to satisfy a desire while your needs tend to satisfy a necessity. God is more concerned about your necessity than he is your wants. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? You see, that's exactly what God was saying. God was saying to this man, I know you want something, but I love you so much. I'm more concerned about what's necessity in your life. I'm more concerned about what you need in life. And could it be that in this pandemic, could it be that in in this seven weeks of quarantine, God is saying, I know you want Popeyes. I know you want Mexican, but I need you to come to a place where you desire me more than anything. Could it be that God is saying, it's not about what you want. It's about what you need. Hallelujah. You want caviar. Fried chicken will do. <laughs> you want a new house and a new car, but you need peace. You need, you need love. You need joy. You need healing. I just need another boo. I just need somebody. No, you don't. You need peace for the internal struggle of your heart. He's more concerned about what you need instead of what you want. The man said, the same man said, give me alms. And Peter said, I don't have what you want. I have what you need in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Listen to me. Jesus wasn't physically there to heal the man. But Peter understood a principle that Jesus doesn't necessarily need to be there in order for the man to be physically healed. Did you know that the ancient, ancient, uh, uh, the ancient uh, ancients believed that the name of a person carried power with it? 
In other words, that's why in the Bible that when somebody named their children, it had significance to it. When they named their children, it had a meaning to it. And so names carried weight with it. Names carried power with it. Also, a name carried history with it. Don't lose me. Not only did names carry a meaning with it, not only did names carry uh, some sort of weight with it, but names carried history with it. And this is something I didn't understand before. But anytime somebody would name something, they usually named it, they named that person because it had a meaning and because the name had a history behind it. So anytime they would, anytime they would call your name, it would, it would not only bring the meaning of the name, but it would also recall the history of the name. And so when Peter began to say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, the word Jesus Christ, Christ means anointed one, not only did he refer to Jesus as Jesus the Christ, but Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he was invoking Jesus Christ of Nazareth because that has a history with it. This man lived in Nazareth. This man did miracles in Nazareth. This man raised the dead. This man caused lame people to walk. This man caused the blind eyes to see. This man who is from Nazareth called Jesus the Christ. I am referring to this man and this man has a history and by this man I command you to get up and walk again. And every time you call the name of Jesus, you need to remember the history that's behind the name. Hallelujah. And so when they invoke the name Peter understood, I remember I walked with this man from Nazareth and I know the history behind the man's name. And so when he called the man, he said, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus, the same Jesus that raised Lazarus from the dead, the same Jesus that caused blind Barnabas to be healed, the same Jesus that fed the multitude, this Jesus that has history is the same Jesus that caused healing virtue to flow through the man's arms and legs. And the man got up and he began to walk again because Jesus has a history. Hallelujah. I don't want to call on a God that don't have a history. Peter called on him. He invoked the name. I'm telling you today, church, the name of Jesus still has power. It still has power to forgive sins. It still has power to cast out devils. It still has power to heal the sick. It still has power to mend the brokenhearted. It still has power to bring peace in adverse conditions. The name of Jesus will cause a man to drop a fifth of liquor and turn around on the bar stool and run to the altar and give his life to Jesus. The name of Jesus still has power. He evoked the name. That man got up. Peter lifted him up. He lifted him up and the man started leaping for joy, the Bible says. He leaped and rejoiced and went into the temple because that's what happens when Jesus touches you. People say, oh, that's a bunch of hogwash. You don't need to act like that in church. Well, let me tell you, every person Jesus ever touched acted with joy and with anticipation. He got up with joy. He got up with anticipation. He ran into the temple. He ran into the temple. You know what he was saying? For years, I was stuck at the gate. For years, I saw everybody go into the temple. For years, I could hear your singing. For years, I saw you rejoice in the temple. For years, I saw everybody else getting their blessing. But this day is for me. He got up and ran into the temple and he testified that the same God that moved in the temple is the same God that moved at the gate. 
Hallelujah. You see, maybe what God is saying is that I'm not only the God of the temple, but I am also the God at the gate. Hallelujah. What God wants to do in the temple, he wants to move it out of the temple and move it to the gate. I'm telling you, the gate represents the world. The gate represents the slums of the world. The gate represents the wicked. The gate represents those who are far off from the world, far from God. And God wants to take the presence of the temple and bring it to the gate again. God has commissioned us to leave the temple and bring the power of God to the gate again. Hallelujah. The presence of God moved at the gate because the same power of God that moves in the temple is the same power that moves at the gate. I'm about to shout up in here this morning. Hallelujah. You see, sometimes we confine the presence of God to a temple. But Peter and John, every time you read the Bible, you will read that God deals with a person before he deals with a place. In order for God to bring revival to a place, God has to bring revival to a person. It starts with a person first, and it started with Peter and John. They brought revival to the gate. Let us not be conditioned that the revival only happens in the temple. The revival happens at the gate. He got up. The man's, he was sick. They invoked the name of Jesus. The layman in closing. Isn't it ironic that the layman had everything he needed to walk? Didn't he? He had his legs. He had his hips. He had his arms. The layman had everything he needed to walk. He just didn't have the ability to walk. He had his feet. Think about it. He had his ankles. He had his knees. He had his tendons. He had his muscles. He had everything he needed to walk. He had all the equipment, but he couldn't walk. This is the picture of the church. We have our buildings. We have our boards. We got our pastors. We have our clergy. We have our seats. We got our air-conditioned buildings. But we don't have the power to walk. He had everything he needed. But he was missing the power to get up and walk. We can have our stained glass windows. We can have our smoke. We can have our lights. But if there is no power to walk, then we are not fulfilling the mission of Christ. The mission of Christ is for us to go. And we cannot go if we're lame at the gate. He needed everything he needed to walk, but he could not walk. He was missing the power to walk. And I am calling you, church, it's good that we got a nice building. Praise God for it. It's good that we got air conditioning. Praise God for it. Thank God for padded seats. Thank God for buildings and programs and kids' ministry and all the ministries we have. Thank God for them. But let us never forget 
that that is not necessarily what we need. What that's not necessarily uh, that's not necessarily what we want. What we need this morning is the power of God to infiltrate us. We need the power of God. We need a moving of the Holy Spirit that will start from the pew and all the way to the pulpit. We need the infusion of the power of God to make us walk again. And what has happened in the church is that we have leaned upon things that has artificially tried to make us walk. If we think we got the right music, maybe that will help us walk. If we got the right pastor, maybe that will help us walk. If we got the nicest building, maybe that will help us walk. And what we have done is we have used music and church buildings and programs as crutches to help us walk. But baby, I'm telling you, when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you, it will shoot from the top of your head all the way to your feet, and it will make you walk. Even if you've got to go to a church with absolutely no music, you've got the power of God. Hallelujah. This man had everything but the power to walk. And you know what happened? This man gets up, he begins to shout. The lame man's neighbors, the Bible says, verse number nine, verse number eight, he leaped, he walked, he entered the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. He's saying the same God that's in the temple is the same God at the gate. The same God that blesses in the temple is the same God that blesses at the gate. The same God that blesses at Christ Point Church is the same God that blesses at Walmart. The same God that blesses on 1500 East 7th Street is the same God that can bless you at Piggly Wiggly. God is not confined to the temple. God works at the gate. So he leaps up. He begins to walk in the gate. He begins to walk in the temple, testifying. Y'all got blessed at the temple, but I've come to testify he's the God at the gate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Verse number 10, and they knew it was him who sat at the gate called beautiful. No, don't lose me. You know why this is important? Why are we stuck in the same place for a long time? This is the answer. The reason sometimes we are stuck in the same place for a long time, dealing with the same issues, is because it's building your testimony. Because if this man had only been stuck at the temple gate for a month, he wouldn't have had a testimony. But the man was there for years. And every day, every moment, every minute, every year, people saw the same man. It created a memory in them. If he was only there for a short amount of time, it wouldn't have had a big impact. But this man was there for years and years and years and everybody knew who he was. Everybody knew he'd been in the same condition. And so what God was saying, I'm letting this happen because I am going to bring about a revival of souls as a result of your sameness. And the reason we are in the same place is because we're building a testimony that more people will come to Christ in the end. And that's exactly what happened. They were all amazed. You know why they were amazed? Because he had been there a long time. The woman with the issue of blood was there 12 years. Not a year, 12 years. It caused a memory in everybody that knew her. If you're sick a few days, but if you've been sick for years, now no matter how long you've been sick, it's still bad. But you get the point. If you've been sick for years, 
it creates a memory with people. He's sick. He's been sick a long time. And God is saying, that's all right. I may be late, but I'm always right on time. And what you consider dead is not dead. It's just sleeping. I know you've been in that situation a long time. You've been in a rut a long time. You've been in the same place a long time. But the Holy Ghost said, I haven't forgotten about you. I see where you're at. I know exactly what's going on. And by my sovereignty, I will deliver you at the exact moment in history so that I can use your sickness to bring about a revival of souls that is unheard of. Hallelujah. Could it be that in this pandemic, God is saying, I want to do something greater than what you have ever thought. And you're so conditioned about sameness and stuck in the prison of same that you can't see outside of the box and see what I really want to do. And they knew it was him. He was at the gate called beautiful. They were filled with wonder and amazement. Please put that up behind me, please. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. See it? All of them was filled with wonder, verse number 10, and amazement. They knew it was he. They knew it was him. They didn't question, well, I think it was, I think it was the man. I, I don't. This was a solid testimony. Solid, without a doubt, the same man that had been sick for years is the same man that received the healing. I'm telling you, that's what God wants to do. If you feel like you've been in the same spot, I want to encourage you. Anticipation is the breeding ground of miracles. Let's anticipate change. Let's anticipate change. If you don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, say, Pastor, I've walked away from the Lord. I've drawn cold on the Lord right where you're at. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I confess you as Savior and Lord. Jesus, I come back to you. Jesus, make me new. Make me holy. Would you say that? Maybe you're, maybe you're a believer this morning. You're discouraged. I'm asking you, don't be discouraged today. God knows exactly where you're at. And Heavenly Father, I pray for those who've heard this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you bring comfort. I pray, Holy Spirit, you bring healing. I pray, Holy Spirit, you bring strength. I pray that you strengthen the hearts of those who have heard this message this morning. In Jesus' name. And everyone shouted a great big amen.